Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls Like Joe Ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going today besides it's hot? Why is the heat back, Kate? Why is it coming back, too? Yeah. Well, it's like 91 degrees as the high. I don't think it's 91 right now, but it's going to get there in a couple of hours. It was 91 Uh, over here not that long ago. It shouldn't be the same in Chicago and (laughs) where you're at. It should not. It should not be the same temperature. But this is what happens when climate change and things like the jet stream change and shift around a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So I'm actually downstairs recording as opposed to in my office today. And um, it's just hot. And I just want to go see Shakespeare tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to go see Shakespeare. (laughs) I want to go see Crazy Rich Asians. Is that coming out this weekend? Or are screeners just fancy? uh, Sorry, are film critics just fancy? Have they seen screenings early? I think it comes out this week. All I know is that the Meg comes out this week. My person is very excited about the Meg. Uh um, But her friend is out of town. So she is not going to see the Meg this weekend. But as soon as her friend comes back, they're probably seeing the Meg. Well, more on that Meg-related, tangentially-related news in a bit. First, yeah. we wanted to give a, t- talk a little uh, listener feedback. So we heard from Susan on Twitter, who listens to the podcast, apparently. Hi, Susan. Thank you Hi, for Susan. listening. That's very nice. She apparently doesn't watch most of the shows that we talk about, but then then she but she the she skips to the parts that she does watch. And uh, so, thank you. Awesome. That's the, kind of how we designed it. That's why we've got that good chaptered MP3. M- M4A. M4A, yeah. However that works. I don't do that side of this, everyone. <laughs> I don't do any actual labors. I've maintained for the past few years now. This is so. why I still like go through the effort of putting out two separate feeds because it's sh- like M4A chaptered feeds are just better in every way. They're just better. It's a- how you should structure a podcast if you're not just long form, you know, like if you have segments you should there's no but certain devices won't play them and it's frustrating even like you can do chapters in mp3s and i put chapters into the mp3s but i think it doesn't come through in the podcast feeds i don't know it's wrong and they should all take that and it's frustrating that they don't but i'm glad that the people whose devices do do m4as can benefit from them because that is the appropriate format for our podcast i've gone on too long here let's talk let's talk to vince so vince thank you for for chiming in at the website about cloak and dagger uh (laughs) i did not appreciate apparently my iron fist discussion within our cloak and dagger discussion so that was entertaining to me um vince wanted us to clarify that you know like he didn't on twitter not enough characters so this wasn't coming through, but he does really like the show. He does really like. Yeah, Cloak and yeah. Dagger. No, I didn't. I didn't doubt that. I didn't doubt that. Yeah, no, me neither, dude. Like, I mean, how many times have you heard me just rant on and on and on about shows and then be like, "But I'm still going to watch it for another three seasons." Like, yeah, like that's you're you're in good company. Um, he said, "Oh, he he likes Mina, uh, and her dad a lot." He yeah. The the Tandy killing someone was trying. To kill, he met the assassin and like yeah, you're oh. absolutely right, Vince. Like that didn't make yeah. any sense. That was weird. Yeah, I forgot about her and her water delivery outfit that she used both times for some reason. Yeah, very strange. Uh, yeah, Tandy not killing the the assassin who's come who's like threatening her mom and trying to kill like doesn't make any sense. They just 
Yeah, they were hoping you weren't noticing, but you were, and so were we, and you're absolutely right on that. Um, the Bridget get the, the the scar on her arm. Now I'm all like paranoid that I remembered that wrong because she was wearing that jacket that had the reflective bar- bars across both of her arms too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that like when the pipe, right before she got like, I don't know, killed and misted or whatever the 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 energy was, um, I feel like it cut her slashed her arm but i could be wrong about that anyway so vince if you do rewatch let me know um about roxanne being guilty he was talking about there's that paper that tandy holds up at the end to her mom and the headline is roxanne guilty that's you're right vince that's a terrible headline it doesn't make any sense nobody would actually like write that headline they just want you to not think about it and again these are the things that we were talking about where the, the writing is letting the show down yeah I'd totally block out that newspaper thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, he's saying he's, uh, he's bummed that Cloak and Dagger's on Hayes. Because, of course, remember, Vince uh, can't watch most TV live. So, yeah. so you know, this was nice for, for him to be able to, like, watch it with everybody else and be on the social media game and following everything at the same time. He says uh, maybe he'll give Dietlet a shot uh, because it's on Netflix. So that's uh, very interesting. So if you do, Vince, let us know what you think, because we always enjoy hearing from you. Um, and yeah, I will be intrigued. I, I've still heard, I've heard from no one who watches, I literally don't know anyone who watches Dietland who isn't, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear from more people with their thoughts on Dietland. Well, you know, I know one other person that's friend of the show, Dr. Elizabeth Bridges, but we haven't had the chance, to, or at least I haven't had the chance to talk to her about it. So I don't know where she's at with Dietland. So I do know one other person. Who watches yeah. Dietland, but that's about it. Um, as for TV news this week, Queen Sugar got picked up for season four, which is very exciting, right before they have the finale coming up here pretty soon. Um, but they have a new showrunner. The current showrunner is Kat Candler, who, you know, I always think of it as Ava, Duver- Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar, but she's not the showrunner. Kat yeah. Candler is the showrunner, and she's been doing a terrific job. Um, mm-hmm. For season four, the showrunner is going to be Anthony Sparks. Um, who is a first-time showrunner, but has been a writer on the show the whole time. And it's yeah, yeah. a very active choice by DuVernay to uh, to give opportunities for people who don't usually get an opportunity to showrun, just like she has been prioritizing giving directing opportunities to people who can't get a first or maybe a second hire yeah. to help them build their resumes. So uh, I, that, I'm very excited that to know that it's coming back and uh, for season four, and we'll see how the season finishes up. We're, we're not going to talk about that one this week, but I have caught up. And I am Yay! very much enjoying what we're seeing. And uh, yeah, I, we will, yeah, at the end of the season, I'm sure have plenty to say about the season of Queen Sugar. Uh, also, big news this week, there was TCA. So there's a lot of different casting news and pickups and renewals and all that stuff. Most of that we're just not going to worry about. Um, if you have thoughts on any of that stuff, reach out and we can talk about it next week on the podcast. But a big bit of news was talk of the CW crossover for this year, which they are doing. They're going to keep Legends out of it. Just do the other shows. Um, but they're going to introduce Batwoman in the crossover. And then they are going to plan, you know, assuming all goes well, do it all of the Flash where they have a Batwoman show that they they spin off from that appearance. Just like they spun off the Flash um, from Grant Gustin's appearance in that two-parter on Arrow back, oh man, five years ago? Season two, yeah. Like season two. So long ago. They've, they've cast... Uh, Batwoman, notably, is a... Uh, canonically uh out lesbian character she's a jewish lesbian and it's a big part of her identity the character is uh cat kane kate kane kate kane Kate Kane. um and so it's a she's gonna be i I believe right out and uh very visible 
uh, as mm-hmm. a lesbian woman on on the shows. I don't know if they have specified that they are going to also keep her Jewish as like a yeah. part of her character. Um, I don't think they've specified that or whether or not the character is maintaining her military background as well, which is really significant to the character. Um, mm-hmm. Another really significant aspect. But they have said that the character will be focused on social justice as well, which doesn't indicate that either of those two things can't be possible. But that seems to be what they're pushing as opposed to her uh Jewish faith and her military background. Yeah. Um, they did, it, it was news a while ago, but they are very act. We're very actively seeking an out uh, queer actor for that character. And they have cast Ruby Rose, who people will know from orange is the new black and a few other things. I glanced over her CV and it was most, or her IMDb, I should say. And it was mostly a bunch of terrible movies. I haven't seen, or I don't know that they're terrible, but everybody says they're terrible. John Wick 2 wasn't, like, terrible. It just wasn't as good as the first one. Well, yeah, i And I sorry. will fight people on that. Yeah, I... <laughs> let me... I, I should... Yes, I should remove John Wick from that because I have a soft place in my heart for the first John Wick. I haven't gotten around to the second one yet. I have. I stopped watching Orange is the New Black before I really got to know the character she plays, which is Stella. I, she might not even come on the show yet when I stopped watching that one. Um, so I'm not very familiar with her work. Uh, it's been interesting following the reaction online because there are some very strong, very polarized reactions to this casting. Uh, for me, I'm sort of in a, well, let's see how she does kind of place for it. But um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm in the same space of, I think that given the role and given the expectations that this might be a good fit for her. Mm-hmm. But it's very much a, um, whatchamacallit, it's very much a, I'm in the same boat as you are with, all right, well, let's just, Let's see what they're going to do first. And that's sort of where I am with this is like, I'd much rather see what it's going to look like, how she's going to be and that kind of a thing. But I also feel like there's a lot riding on this since I really do feel like that they can position uh, Kate to basically take over as the, like the lead of the Arrowverse mm-hmm. um, when Arrow wraps up eventually. Yeah. Um, this feels like a really a place, a way to do that in kind of the same way, like Marvel is repositioning itself to have uh Brie Larson's Captain Marvel take over as the face of the franchise. Yeah. New um, cap, following, new Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Following. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what I'm thinking is happening, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, also on CW news, I, you have to tell me about this because I totally missed this until you put yeah. the link in our notes. And I was like, how is this a thing? Y'all are trash. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Noel. Yeah. So the the set photo of Grant Gustin on the Flash in what appears to be the new costume uh, for the season got leaked, and people started body shaming Grant Gustin over being too thin because he, the suit just looks really sort of rumpled in and like squeezing him maybe a little too much. Um. Okay. And so it's kind of a weird thing. Like my person and I were trying to find the photo. Mm-hmm. Then we found the photo and we just went, this can't be the photo. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not right. It, it just, it looks like him in the suit. The suits never are particularly form-fitting on him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a little bit of room for him to move in them. And so I was just like, I don't quite understand what's happening. And then I was also just like, but he's always been a really thin dude, everyone. This isn't news. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like a really weird sort of response to a really bad like set photo angle um and also just don't do it yeah like yeah 
what's wrong with what's wrong with people? Like you shouldn't be shaming people for their body type, regardless yeah. of what that body type is. And yeah. uh, like to, to like on a separate level, the Flash is thin. He's like he real. should be thin. Have yeah, you seen any be. animated Flash? They're always like impossibly not humanly thin, yeah. like tall and thin. Like that's the that's his thing. He's super fast and like wiry, right? And yeah. so to to feel like a character who's always been depicted as super thin is too thin, but not like out of a I'm worried for this person's health, right? Kind of a thing. Which still, it's none of your goddamn business. But like. I just feel it's just so strange. It's just very strange to me. Um, yeah. But the moral of the story is stop being dicks. And this is an actual person. And this is his actual life. This is not a cartoon. This is not somebody who is being drawn. And then you can have all the conversations you want to have about that without actually commenting about a person's body. Um, yeah, it's just it's like, stop it. Just bad, bad CW fan people who are all over social media about this. Just, just, just let people be people. Yeah. And I mean, he's acknowledged that he like, it kind of comes through in this, um, in like an Instagram post that he, uh, shared after this is basically just saying the fact that I get really stressed over the course of the season. I try to maintain a body, particular body size while filming, but I also get stressed. And when I get stressed, I tend not... Is The implication is that he tends not to eat when he gets really stressed. Yeah. And so as someone who basically does the exact same thing and has more or less his same frame, mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, no, that's kind of how that works. Um, so it's just... Yeah, I just yeah. I don't I don't get it, and it's it's really frustrating, and yeah. so he doesn't need to be shamed for this. And I mean, he's he's been re- his that post is very much like you shouldn't be doing this. This is how this works. But also, I'm happy with how I look. And, this is me. This is my yeah. body, and it's yeah. none of your business. Yeah. And uh, also, here's part of what I deal with with yeah. my body and my health. This is a, a reality of me. You know, it's not helping me be less stressed out. Is all y'all being terrible? Uh, I I have students who are, are similarly like um, I've picked up over the years have dealt with being underweight and like doctors trying to get them to like eat things that will help them gain more weight and stuff like that. And uh, I know I've known people who really make concerted efforts and really struggle to, to put on it's, weight. It's really hard to put on weight. Speaking just as like personally, it's very, I've, I've really struggled mm-hmm. with it and I've tried like multiple times to like bulk up a little bit. And I mean, I've just gotten to the point where I'm passing a certain amount of weight where it's just like, Oh, Okay. I'm 33, but yeah, this is a little late to hit this benchmark. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, because I, I, I was like hospitalized like during the first season of Arrow for like a few days and was basically just on fluids mm-hmm. and came back and lost like I had lost a ton of weight as a result. And it was really hard to put that weight back on in any concentrated way. Like I was drinking so many milkshakes, Kate, <laughs> so many milkshakes. Well, and I think <laughs> what part of the trouble is, is that for people like myself who struggle not to put on weight and to put yeah. on really unhealthy weight, um, you know, depending though, that's a very loaded term. Um, yeah. They can, it's easy to 
look at that. It's just, you know, the, the grass is always greener kind of a thing. We're like, yeah. oh, you're complaining about drinking milkshakes. But it's not about that. It's about yeah. having a healthy body that you yeah. are. So you feel comfortable in your body yeah. and able to, like, function and be yourself. And that yeah. looks very different for different people. And uh, yeah. just because our culture is one that really prizes thin slender and strong physically fit frames doesn't and maybe other people feel pressure because they are larger than that that doesn't negate the people on the other side of the spectrum also dealing with being called scrawny or being called tiny or or weak or any of these different things too so basically nobody feeding you exactly it's like i'm an adult (laughs) uh i don't i'm responsible for myself and that is what does that even mean what what is that supposed to mean yeah yeah Anyways, uh, people, be cool. Be cool, yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the show this week, we are talking Reverie Season 1, which was sort of our, I feel like that was like our summer watch this this year. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so anyways, we had a lot of fun talking about that. That's coming at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to take a break, listen to some music, and come back with our Week in TV. Two segments this week for TV. Ooh. Look at us. Look at that. Huh? So we'll Fancy. take a break. <laughs> and go back with our weekend comedy right after this. Space horse, space horse, we ride into battle on a space horse, of course. We got you, space horse. We will fight whoever we guess, whoever makes it up here in space, not on Earth. They have to come to us, whoever can afford to in space. I guess we'll fight Elon Musk in space. We are the Space Force, Space Force. This is a bad idea, of course. Space Force, Space Force. Pew, 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 pew. This week in comedy, we're going to talk about the premiere of Wrecked, uh, season three, Bushman. That's right, Wrecked is actually back. (laughs) Yay! Um, Then we'll talk about the premiere of Venture Brothers, season seven, The Venture Brothers and the Curse of the Haunted Problem. The Venture Brothers is actually back. That's another one's like, oh yeah. I'm surprised they didn't show this at Comic Con. Like I didn't realize- I am too. Yeah, how soon I didn't realize back. they were coming back so soon. Yeah. Um then I caught up with Trial and Error Lady Killer. Um, so we'll talk about that a bit. And of course, DuckTales, the secrets of Castle McDuck. Uh which we'll talk about our make you watch it on picks, because that inspired some of the the viewing this week inspired some of our discussions Um, but we'll round things out with full frontal with samantha b august 8 2018 so first up is the premiere of wrecked and this is just such an easy light show that is just stupidly fun and i really enjoy it and again like i don't know anybody who watches it but i'm very glad it's back and that they've pivoted once again to an entirely new theme for season three Mm -hmm. what did you think of the uh most dangerous game uh, first episode of the most dangerous game season. I'm very excited. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned, like uh, last summer, it was just like I really enjoyed the most dangerous game and like the very iteration, various iterations thereof. So I'm eager to see this very obvious acknowledgement of the Hunger Games, complete with the jumpsuits they're going to get, mm-hmm. and also uh, one of the characters calling himself Batness Everdeen. And it's just like, oh god, this is very good. <laughs> but no, I'm just excited for like. A smaller cast, 
so I'm hoping like focus is like more a little more folk the focus is a little more narrow and that we get just more ridiculous sort of hijinks because I just was there any reason to kill that many seagulls? No. Did I laugh every time? Yes. And that was basically where I run. It was like very easy to slide back and direct from dream sequences um, to selfish behavior to insecure behavior to Reese Darby just being fucking incredible all the time. <laughs> um, and just that entire cast works really, really well together. So I'm looking forward to this. And they're already like subverting like action tropes by having Landmine have all red wires, Kate. All of them red wires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, what was it the mind boot or whatever it was yes yes it was, mind boot. It was ridiculous i i love you could the, have thrown that literally anywhere else <laughs> the detail to the vision or dream sequence mm-hmm. was just chef's kiss like yeah. i was like like where's who's that and then we find out it's gwen and then yeah. every you know like it was just a lot of fun i also was enjoying like like you said reese darby just like pants but bushes, yeah. there's two bushes yeah. with the like that. It was just like not just saying camo, you know, yeah. <laughs> just ridiculous. I, I yeah, I, there's a lot of potential in this uh, setup, like we were saying last season at the end of last yeah. season. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and maybe this is one that I can actually get my some of my friends and family to watch. I feel like maybe this, this is certainly more accessible than a lot of the things we watch. Um, so yeah. maybe yeah. this is the season that I convince some people we'll see but i certainly am excited for the show to be back i'm also very excited for the venture brothers to be back and i thought this was another strong episode appearing to be a little more serialized this season so we'll see what happens with that but what did you think of the the haunted problem 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 sorry (laughs) um no i enjoyed it and it was one of those episodes where i kind of went Wait, what's happening with Hank? Oh, right. No, he's dating someone with the evil gangster type stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was just like one of those things where I was just like trying to remember what happened last season, as I think we all do with Adventure Brothers, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, what happened last season? Who the f*** is the blue morpho again? Oh, (laughs) right. No, that's the thing with the thing and the other thing. Yep. And so figuring all that stuff out. But I also like that this episode is generally kind of self-contained. And it's just like, we're going to start something pretty serious with Jonas, maybe potentially kind of being alive, at least, mm-hmm. as a head in a box, which is works just as well as a head in a jar, I feel like. Um, but I liked all the haunted, like, building type stuff. Uh, it was really good. It's, I especially say this as I'm reading uh, The Haunting of Hill House or The House on Haunted Hill, mm-hmm. or whatever the actual book title is, um, reading that for the first time, while, the, like, shortly started it not long before this episode aired. So it's just like, oh, this is what I have to look forward to is uh, robots vomiting rats. This is horrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, So I liked good. it. Yeah, I liked it overall. And I like what Hank's doing so that he can be closer to Serena. Um, How did you feel about it? Yeah, it was fun. And like you said, the, the, the haunting sort of being like limited to this episode or it seems and then pivoting mm-hmm. into something else for the next episode, I think is, is really fun. The, just the, the alarm that just won't shut up and like that's that's enough of a reason to not want a smart house just yeah. you know that's that's all it takes it's just it to get confused and to be on a different time zone and then your every alarm is going to go off like every five minutes starting at midnight instead of at seven um 
so I thought that was well animated and executed. I liked, uh, you know, as they said at the Venture Brothers Com- Comic-Con panel, Kristen Milioti is delightful. I'm enjoying her as the voice of a girlfriend, um, Serena. And uh, the the dynamics, I assume they're going to shift once Hank is approved, you know? Like, there's some yeah. elements of, of uh, you know, get, pulling one over on her dad with her relationship there with, with, with Hank. So um, seeing how that's going to adjust um, with the various levels of deception, I think will be entertaining. So we'll see what happens next. I'm certainly looking forward to the blue morph re- returning or, uh, you know, the levels at which Hank is going to be aware of things. I, I It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I, I like this. I like this premiere. It was a strong return to their New York setting. I thought, um, I also am really enjoying Trial and Error, Lady, Comma, Killer. Uh, as you said, you you recommended that I check this one out, and I did. And it took such self-control, Noel, to not watch the screener for the episode that airs next week. Um, because I watched the first six in, like, mm-hmm. an afternoon. Yeah, sure. It goes down so smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, hmm. Okay, because you're... You know, I've seen screeners, so I'm ahead of the yes. of you as we record. Uh, I I really enjoy the pivot that we get in these episodes that are airing this okay. week, and uh, I think it was very smart because of you know there there wasn't enough story at the in the first part of the season to sustain ten episodes. I don't think, and so yeah. there, things change up a little bit in the two episodes that air this week. A change in the team and new case old murder. And okay. I think that was smart and well played. I so enjoy the quirks of <laughs> North Peck and East Peck, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the just the lengthy list of maladies uh, for the I forget the character name the the assistant in the office. I'm including the jumping, which you already had mentioned, and I'm just super. Yeah, I'm super game for this show. I've already recommended it to a few people, and I look forward to when I have a little more downtime going and catching back up with the uh, the first season as well. Is now have you seen the first season? Is the first season as good as this? I think it's it's a little too beholden to the true crime stuff okay. um, that it wants to mimic, but. I mean, it's got John Lithgow, and he's just so game yeah. that it really helps to, like, carry things along. But I think that their decision to really open up this world and really make the town a much larger part of the show, from what you were talking about, the East and North Peck stuff, to Lady Driver, Lady <laughs> Driver, Lady Driver type stuff. Is every just, time. I laugh. Every time. Every time. And so I think that they're... Their decision to do that really expands the show's humor a lot more beyond kind of doing a mockumentary types thing. Um, so I think that that helps them a lot here. And plus there's a little bit of build-up history between the two lawyers at this point, which provides solid type of uh, ammunition, including that really delightful handwriting analysis sequence uh, from the previous um, episode where it's just like, that's... A- Obviously, juvenile objection. <laughs> it's just really standard kind of joke stuff, but it's also very good. So I think that the show is just chugging along really nicely. So I'm really eager to watch both of these. Yeah, I look forward to your thoughts when you've seen them, and uh, shoot me a text, Noel, or yeah, a tweet, I, I should say, 
and uh and we'll yeah we'll have more on this at the end of the season probably um but let's move on now to ducktales and the secrets of castle mcduck um this i i enjoyed this episode i think the thing single thing i enjoyed the most was graham mctavish as fergus Mm -hmm. are you familiar with graham mctavish I don't think so. So tell me a little bit about him. Okay, he's on Outlander, and okay. he plays a main character in the first like three seasons of Outlander. And there's a time okay. jump that you know kind of yeah. necessitates that character going away um, in the third season. But uh, he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what inspired me to to have my pick for the Make You Watchathon be Outlander. And then it's not at your library; it's nowhere near where you can get it. So we, were, we I picked something else instead. Inspired yeah. by different viewing, which we'll get to in this next segment. But um, but just it's such fabulous casting, um, mm-hmm. especially for those like myself familiar with his work um, on Outlander. So to have Graham McTavish and to have uh, so he plays Dougal uh, McKenzie and uh, very strong and uh, memorable and yeah, she was just going to say very memorable character, well-written character on uh, Outlander. And then to have him like Scottishing off <laughs> with David Tennant um, in their vocal work. It's just, it's just delightful. I really enjoyed it. So uh, I also enjoyed, you know, the other parts of the episode and the, 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 I thought the brother dynamic worked really well. I liked Webby just being like overwhelmed and just like, unable to function throughout the episode. Um, there's a lot to really enjoy here, but uh for me, the 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 star element was the casting of Graham Cavish. Yeah, and he does a really nice job, and I enjoyed that whole dynamic, even down to the mise en scene, making it really clear. Like when they sit down for dinner, you get a wide shot of them at the table. You see Scrooge's portrait just staring down the portrait of his father, and they're just looking at each other, even in portraiture, and just staring each other down. And I really like little touches like that. Um, and the rest of the episode is really good because. I mean, not only are his parents immortal, but they're also trapped in a Brigadoon sort of situation in which yeah. their house is only accessible every five years. <laughs> and it's just like, that's terrible, Scrooge. Your parents are immortal and no one can visit them except once every five years. That's not okay. <laughs> um, and so I was just really tickled by that double whammy because my person was watching it. And she's like, oh, it's a Brigadoon. That's that's why they're still around. It's a Brigadoon. And they're just like, oh, no, they're immortal and it's a Brigadoon. <laughs> so I really appreciated that that continuation of just the sheer ridiculousness lifespans of the McDucks mm-hmm. was really great. Um, and yeah, so all the brother stuff worked generally really well. Um, though I, I legitimately think my favorite bit of this episode was Launchpad pretending to be Donald. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Complete with, like, a oversized Arnold costume. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, starting to bounce up and down in that I'm going to fight everything pose that Donald Duck does, but Launchpad doing it, and that being what sells the McDucks that it's actually Donald and not someone else. Yeah. <gasps> it's very funny. So it was it was a really good episode. Um, it didn't... The search for the mom isn't, like, the most compelling uh, aspect of this show by far, I feel like. So I'm, like, I'm more eager to see how the Magic and Lena stuff pays off um, so that they can then make room to really devote some time to this and make season two, hopefully. But it's, I'm glad that at least um, Louie and Huey are in on it now. Mm-hmm. So I feel good about that. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that launch pad scene because Beck Beckett is so good. So good. Yes. I don't always love his performance in this, Mm -hmm. but that I thought he really sold that and just nailed the delivery in those sentences. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is just, again, go, go back to Graham McTavish. I think this is a really great contrast to the previous episode where the casting of Jaime Camille um, and just the performance that they got out of him or the combination of the writing and the direction. I don't know where exactly. I don't want to say it's just the actor's fault. Who knows? It's a complicated melange of different elements. Um, Limited the character in my, you know, the final performance I thought limited the character here. It's it's, again, it's a different kind of stunt casting that I think it also very specialized. Yeah. Super specialized. Super specialized stunt casting, but I think it, it benefited the show and it worked really well. So um, yeah, I look forward to seeing what else they bring in the, you know, the rest of the season. Do we know exactly how many episodes they have in season one? They've got, I want to say they, def- the finale is a two parter. So I want to say that they have three more episodes, but okay. two of those episodes that air together, but I could be just, they could just have two more episodes next week. I forget. Okay. But we're basically at the end of the season, but season two will start a little bit later this year. Okay. So we won't we won't have to go long to wait between seasons one and two, from what I understand. Well, that makes me happy because you yeah. know how much I enjoy having DuckTales in my. I think we all get really happy about it. Yeah, it's a good thing. I also got very happy about one of the segments this week on Full Frontal with Samantha B, August 8, 2018, because listeners, Sean Spicer has a book. He's on a book tour and he's, uh, he's promoting his book, which means you will see him popping up on all sorts of platforms that spent a good significant amount of real estate mocking, belittling, condemning him. And now they'll be happy to have him on for clicks. And yeah. uh, I, it's been a frustration of mine. I don't think anybody who works in the Trump administration should be able to leave their decisions they made while serving in the function of a, you know, a, an employee of the public theoretically working for the public good. I don't think you should be able to wash your hands and say just following orders and then go get a job somewhere where the, the that institution had previously been condemning that person and their choices and their you know, like their what they had done in their previous employ. So uh, it was very frustrating to me when Sean Spicer left his job and then showed up and was getting lots of applause and claps on what was that the oscars or the emmys 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 yeah colbert Colbert. had him on yeah yeah that was very like you all were condemning this guy like literally two weeks ago this is a bunch of bullshit and that he's you know there are plenty of places he had a very good reputation before working for the trump administration um and has been able to resuscitate his reputation a lot of places despite blatantly lying to the american people like all the time um and so I was very happy when the Full Frontal did this segment where they just followed him around on his book tour and had different people go up to him and just give him a hard time about this or just try to get him to answer a question and, and admit to uh, what, you know, he had his part in eroding the public trust and in attacking the free press and in uh, being just part of a an administration that is actively seeking to destroy one of the major tenets of our democracy, which is the freedom of the press. Um, also, it was funny, which helped. And I really yeah. enjoyed the um, unicorn on a unicorn, uh, like like two-person costume thing that was happening at the end. I thought that was just like 
the perfect like little capper amount of ridiculousness at the end it was super fun they bought a ticket and everything you yeah. have to let them in yeah exactly yeah, it's, it's a dress code issue yeah. um so i'm shocked a lot what what did you think of this no. episode or, or this segment no i thought the episode in general was really really good i liked the spotlight on pregnancy and uh workplace i thought it was really good but yeah the episode is this particular type of segment and how it just refused to let Spicer off the hook, which I really appreciate for the reasons you enumerated. Like he's already been on Kimmel to talk about the book and just he's getting a pass basically in sort of the same way that Colbert gave him a pass with the Emmys and has given Scaramucci a pass by having Scaramucci on a couple of times as well is that this is just a really easy, it's too easy of an out for the reasons you've already said. So I don't want to rehash that. So I really like that the show just went, no, no, we're not we're not forgetting this or just playing like, oh, he's out now. So he's one of us. No, that's, that's not how this works. And that's good. That's the kind of thing that I think that the show is positioned to do really well and has the platform and the money to do this kind of thing really well. Cause they're just like, we had to buy like 13 of these books and also buy a ticket to this thing. So um, we're going to do that, but we're also going to donate the equal amount to a, uh, organization focused on freedom of the press um, to balance that out, <laughs> which was a good move. Um, so it was a, it was a really good segment. It was very funny. Um, I liked the positioning of uh, their primary male correspondent looking a little bit like Stephen Miller as a way to make Sean Spicer feel comfortable. <laughs> um, it was just like that's cute. I enjoy that. Um, so it, it was it was it was really good and one of the stronger bits I feel like they've done. And also timely, considering that they ended with a bit about the Space Force anthem, just as Mike Pence announced, they're actually doing this. Yeah, they're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In case you couldn't think of better ways to spend $8 billion. Um, but I, I should also mention that uh, I did really appreciate, because we I talked last week about um, the semblance, what seems to be a pass, that a lot of people are giving Les Moonves. Um Full Frontal did very specifically address and condemn him and address that uh, story by Pharaoh and the other reporters yeah. who contributed to that piece. Um, so I appreciated that as well. And I mentioned Colbert, but I didn't mention Full Frontal and I should have. So uh, I appreciate that very much. And I'm continuing to look for more. There have been more responses on that and more comments on that once we got to the um, CBS portion of TCAs. Most of it was mm -hmm. a bunch of bullshit, but there was some. That was interesting. And a few more people are being asked about it. So we'll see if anything comes of that. But I, yeah, the, again, when we got to the culmination of the bit and like the level of ridiculousness that they took it to, I thought it was just the right amount and it was super funny. So well done. Full frontal with Samantha B. What wins your week in comedy? Um, DuckTales, I guess. I feel like that's the most honest answer I can give. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Wrecked and Venture Brothers were both very good, and that final bit on Samantha B was good, but I think DuckTales was an overall experience. Uh, what about you? I think I'm going to give it to Trial and Error for, like, the okay. whole season so far. 
<laughs> lady podcaster lady, lady podcaster podcast. <laughs> listeners you don't know what we're doing there's a motion noel's doing a thing with his hands like just just watch trial and error lady killer and then you'll know what we're talking about and you will also probably laugh because it is very funny um there's such a sense of like parks and rec to that like in all the yes. little pawnee murals and like history like when they yeah. do those cutaways are those cutaways to town history not a thing in season one uh, I don't feel like they're as pronounced as they are in season two, since it's very driven by the mayor and slash how much Kristen Chenoweth's character means to this town. Mm-hmm. Like, she means so much to them. I'm not on trial for murdering etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was a good choice then, because, like, those mm-hmm. cutaways to the town history are, you know, A+, plus, super on board, really enjoyed them. Yeah, season one relies much more heavily on, like, the cannonball stuff, which mm-hmm. you get a little bit of here, but that's, like, a runner in season one. Yeah. Um, okay, now that will... I really gotta know what the deal is with the cannonball thing. Okay, I will... I will watch that later. Now we'll take a break, and we'll come back with our weekend drama, reality, and genre. You hate that I usually don't open up In drama, reality, and genre, we're going to kick things off with the finale of The Bold Type Season 2, We'll Always Have Paris. Then I'll talk, uh, then I'll rant a bit about So You Think You Can Dance, Meet the Top 10, uh, check in with The Sinner Season 2 and Castle Rock. Um, the Sinner is Part 2 this week, but Part 1, Part 2, last week and this week. And Castle Rock is Harvest. And then we'll round things out with uh, Winona Herb, Colder Weather. So first up is The Bold Type finale. Um, how did they end their season? What did you think of? You know, how they, you know, got everybody to Paris. Did it work for you? Did you like the, you know, the big shifts we had? Very relationship-centric. Yeah, no, it was a very relationship-centric episode. And that was fine, I think. Um, Concerning that so much of the season has been driven either by, Mm -hmm. like, those relationships sort of being, not periphery, but being, happening in conjunction with other more topical things. I think um, bringing it so forward and in the city of love slash a hotel lobby with a lot of curtains over the windows so we can't see out um, (laughs) so that we don't know that they're not in Paris, even though we know that they're not in Paris. At least they don't have the Eiffel Tower (laughs) at the back of every scene. No, just that one scene. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That was fine, um, even though, like, the only relationship on this show that I'm even remotely invested in is Kat and Adina. Mm-hmm. And so watching that unravel as it does in this was frustrating a little bit, uh, in part because I just wanted more from Adina's perspective, I guess, is what was really missing from this whole storyline, really. 
of we basically just get to see her either at that photo shoot that she did with Candy or in the apartment. And so we don't really get to see her doing a whole lot of like work or dealing with stuff, which made me which made all of this really frustrating. And whether that's to demonstrate how self-centered Kat has been in a way or the show just went. We don't have space for that because of what this show is, is what it feel, felt like more than that. So it it made it difficult to buy into a lot of this for me anyway, but it also just made me very sad because I like the two of them together. And I got really, I got sad. We often are commenting on various shows, wardrobe choices. Yeah. Adina in her last scene. Looked so amazing. So good. That red with like, and the headscarf with like the whole, like, mm-hmm. oh man, she looked fabulous. That was yeah. like the ensemble of the night for me. And I they were all dolled up for their party, but I was like, no, Adina killed it. Um, I think for me, what I would like to see is the first episode needs to deal with all the cliffhangers. Um, yes. But I would love to see a second episode that is Adina centric that just is her Uh point of view and follows her around and is the adina episode um i actually really like a lot of what they did this season with cat i I love that i can finally point to a show that i think did a decent job with ethical non-monogamy which like i literally cannot think of another single show that has even tried to do a good job with it um and so i thought that was really so maturely handled this season and the, the like the conversations and the scenes that we got with Kat and Adina were great. Um, but I, we are definitely lacking her perspective. Definitely that relationship did not get the amount of time it needed. And um, that was like what we see in this finale reflects that. And I think is really appropriate. Like, and if they knew they were going to there, then it made sense that they pulled back on Adina so that we, know that there's some distance or lack of communication or some, you know, they love each other and they, they really care for each other, but there's other issues, right. That they need to figure out that are under the surface that they've maybe been papering over. Um, But then what that means is they need to give it its time at the start of next season. They like, they, they can't put it off. Um, So when we get like the, the, just like the culmination, I guess, of, Adina's happy, but Kat is not... Kat is making everything about her, which is very clearly <laughs> shown. But... Um, That's such a Jane thing to do, too. Oh, God. We're going we're gonna to talk about Jane. <laughs> we are going to talk about Jane. But first, we're going to talk about Kat and Adina, because they're more interesting. Um, but, but her not wanting to settle for fine, you know, and knowing... Like, I thought the way that they where they brought things to was again, very mature and uh, well articulated. And it's also a more interesting way to bring tension into relationship than cheating, which is basically the only way that most of these shows do that. Um, Or like somebody screwing up and causing the other person to have a problem. This is not that this is more interesting and nuanced than that. So, so I really um, appreciated that. But again, that's with a big old asterisk and caveat that, that I need them to make up for this next season um, and really give us Adina's perspective. Uh, let's let's do Sutton real quick. Yeah, sure. I liked her stuff here very much. I thought yeah. that they earned the Richard stuff really well. I like her and Richard together. I think the the characters, uh, the actors have good chemistry and the characters work nicely. I like the answer of like I buy them. I, I believe them in a way that I usually don't. Age gapped 
uh, relationships on TV. Probably it also helps that the actor who plays Richard is like, like there's a portrait somewhere. But, um, and also Sutton feels very mature. She's like, she's, she does feel older because it's like, that makes more sense. It's not like the most immature character is paired with someone much older than her, which is again, a thing I feel like I've seen other shows do. Um, You can, for me, I buy the idea that Sutton is actually very level-headed and mature and thoughtful and considered in her, like, approach and her personality. And that makes her seem like she's older, maybe. And that is still, that's the young person. That's the person that's keeping Richard young. Is not the immature young 20-something, but, like, the 20-something who's actually more like a 30-something. And, like, I don't know. But it, I'm going on too long. But, that like, that... I, I, they work for me. Um, and I like, I wasn't expecting it to be a ring for her and he was going to show up with the ring and it was going to be engraved. And that's how you knew it was intended for her all the, all the time. And instead it was the cufflinks and that was so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I also yeah. really liked Oliver's stuff. Uh, they let Oliver be like the amazing boss this time. And, um, yeah, I thought he was a little too straight up fairy godmother, yeah. But it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. Uh, what did you think about the Sutton stuff? It's fine. Like, I really like Sutton a lot this season compared to last season. Yeah. Um, and I think that the calibration that they've done of this character is really mature. Helps that a lot. And it helps the Richard stuff to a certain degree. I'm still not particularly sold on them as a couple. Um, but I also recognize that the show is just committed to this. So I'm just like, okay, it's fine. I appreciate that Richard actually looked a little bit older when he showed up in Paris than he typically does. And I was just like, thank goodness, because sometimes I can't really tell how old he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, And that's always been sort of a sticking point. It's just like, I get this is supposed to be sort of a May-December thing, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels more like a Mm -hmm. (laughs) June-November. And um, so, which is the same amount of distance I recognize. I was going for June-October. The point remains. Point remains. that I just wasn't quite buying an age gap necessarily, but I think your point about Sutton being more mature and being more together, even as she's dumping why she has that notebook in the bathroom, I don't even know. But the, that kind of degree of being able to bounce back and not like hit a spiral, which is something that was present in season one, but has come through a lot this season. I really, really like, and it's made Sutton like probably my favorite overall character in the show. And which is not something I would thought I would have said. So even if I'm not finding the relationship and the storyline of that particularly interesting, I like Sutton enough to like go through with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Melora Harden's the best. We we really enjoy that character. Anything to say there? This is Jacqueline. Yeah, Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Yeah. God, no, don't take Jacqueline away from me. They're not going to take Jacqueline away, but our trio is going to have to save her somehow, and that's yeah. No, they will definitely have to save her. Um, and that will be that will be that'll be f- fine-ish, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, don't take Jacqueline away from me because <sighs> she's so good. Yeah, she's so good. I actually really liked potential enemy on the board lady showing up as yeah. an ally, like a legit yeah. ally in this episode. Yes. Which was a nice subversion of expectations. I kept, I kept waiting for that shoe to drop of her being the one behind it, but that didn't happen. Yeah, which is great, and and, and it fits with the ethos and what like they've done on the show in the past. Yeah. Okay, we can't avoid it anymore. <sighs> um, so here's the thing: I really like the sto- the stories they're telling through Jane. Um, I love the stuff with the BRCA gene. I love the stuff with the fertility. Um, 
I like I really like the gun episode. But here's my problem. The gun episode had the wrong ending. That it, and you're talking to someone who hates guns, doesn't want anyone to have a gun. Like I should be right with Jane. But the ending of that episode where 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 Sutton melts down her childhood shotgun to make earrings for her friend because her friend might be uncomfortable. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, no, it was not great. And I wasn't crazy about where that episode ended up either, ideologically speaking, which I think was possibly the point of what they wanted. But it was also just like, that's still not, that's still not okay. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it just, it it really, really bothered me. It really rankled me. Like, have come up with a solution of, here's, let's rent a, like a locker at a storage place and you keep your, like, I can't live with it in the house, but I don't want you to, like, or she offers to do that and they say, no, I know how much this means to you. But then we get like one scene of, of Jane, like, pop psychologying her friend and be like, the only reason you care about this gun is because of trauma with your mom and uh, therefore melt it down. Like it's, it was just like lazy and easy, like a very facile answer to a more, much more complicated and nuanced um, like rest of the episode. I actually thought the rest of the episode was really thoughtful and and well, and, and well examined. I also thought it was really just a, clever way to, to introduce the stuff with Sutton's mom, which I also really liked. It's another good yeah. episode. Um, so yeah, I just, Jane, they give Jane wins that she hasn't earned. And uh, it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue for me in my enjoyment of the show. Not enough to get me to not watch it or anything, but they, they gotta do better with that character. Yeah. And I feel like she didn't really learn anything. Oh, she learned that- nothing. Yeah, no, after all that talk about learning from a failure, she hasn't really seemed like professionally she learned anything. And much like what she got fired for from Insight, which is you represented yourself and not us, is Jane can't write anything unless it's about herself. Yeah. And it's exhausting. (laughs) Um, Just all the way down. It's just like, should she be getting, should her fertility stuff be covered by her insurance provided by her employer? Yes, absolutely. Why are all her stories about her? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that provide a kind of an approach to a macro level sort of problem, but they're all about her. Yeah. And who, and without like maybe critically examining a lot of her status within a thing of, you got fired. You still got some freelance work. You got your old job back. Mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff. And it's just deeply frustrating to watch that they seem to have a decent handle. Uh, they have a really good handle on Sutton. They've got a decent handle on Cat, But they can't seem to decide what to do with Jane other than let her, as you say, just win all the time. Or put her in this love triangle of... Perfectly fine, acceptable, boring men. <laughs> Where it's just like, I don't really care if you pick the do- the hunky doctor or the hunky freelance journalist, Jane, because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, I do appreciate, I like, I actually really enjoy that um, this is not a show that tries to pretend that it's gorgeous leads are not gorgeous leads, um, mm-hmm. you know, who would, you know, like, yes, they might have trouble finding the right person. For them, but they're not going to have trouble out in the dating scene. 
Um, And so I appreciate that they don't like Jane isn't like (laughs) pining and single when she wants to be, you know, in a committed relationship. Like, I I actually kind of appreciate that. Um, Or like whenever shows where they're like, oh, it's the home, like Willow's the homely friend. You know, it's like, yeah, Alison Hannigan is gorgeous. We all know this. And that's why they brought out Oz on so quickly on that show. Um, Anyways, the point being. For this, uh, yeah, the, the pinstripe's the edgy one, and that's cute. Um, it's so adorable that they think he's edgy now, yeah. and he's not. He's not. Also, mm-hmm. I would love that freelance job where you write one article a week and afford an apartment in New York. New York. Yeah, no, those 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 freelance rates are apparently amazing. They're not amazing. It's not a thing. <laughs> also, her at Scarlet, she would be writing so much copy and so much that's something that they could easily have her like she could always be typing away on a different thing and they could have fun with that where they tossing off these different titles and they never need to explore like larger aspects of what they are or like doing product reviews or doing like there's like i get the sense from sutton that she's always working and that like i get the sense from adina sorry from adina well when she's in the studio but um, but she, her eyes always open. She's always thinking. She's always doing her thing. I get the sense that Kat is really good at her job. Sure. Jane does a thing yeah. each week for the episode. One thing. And then it's been several weeks. And then maybe she might do one more. Pe- like, even Alex seemed like he was writing more than Jane was this season. And he was barely in this season. Yeah, no, I forgot. I keep forgetting Alex existed. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Um, I would like them to give us a little more time to Jacqueline's assistant next season is the other thing. Oh, God, he's so good. There's so much potential there. Oh, and I appreciated Jacqueline just, like, scaring him off finally. Yeah. Uh, like, I was just like, oh, that was a really good runner you guys did this week. That was that this week, this mm-hmm. this season. That that was just really good. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this way longer than I anticipated. Do you have any other thoughts on the bull type finale or the rest of the season? No, no. So rant at me about So You Think You Can Dance. <sighs> okay, listeners, this season on So You Think You Can Dance, they went immediately to a top 10. They did a top 20, and then they cut half of them after one more week and did top 10, and they did live. And they paired the top five guys and the top five girls, uh, and then they each did two dances, and one in the style of each of the people and the, the partners. And they made sure that they didn't, pair any of the ballroom people or any of the contemporary people together that kind of thing the trouble is because it's a pet genre of nigel's uh they had a tapper in the top 10 um when they're oh right he loves tap i remember that he loves tap and normal in the past they have never made someone who was not a trained tap dancer do tap which is good because it's too hard it's hard (laughs) tapping is hard yeah it because it just it's very straightforward. There are things on your feet that make sound. So if you move your foot in even the slightest little way incorrectly, it is a sound it's like a it's a beacon drawn yeah. to that mistake in a way that no other genre does. Um just just if you just like the physics of it, the acoustics of it, like you cannot hide in a way that the way that you can hide in pretty much any other genre. And uh they not only like the guy, the tapper is very good and he does a good job in the other genre. The other thing that kills me is that he's also a contemporary dancer. So they could have, like, for their thing, their partner thing, had that be contemporary and it would have been legit because he's also a trained contemporary dancer. Um, but instead, because Nigel loves tap, they made a jazz dancer with some background in tap, but for all we know, she took, like, a tap dance class when she was eight, you know? Yeah. 
um, do a tap number to Singing in the Rain, which was a different version of it, but still. She did her best. She sold as much as she could, but she was not great because tap is really fucking hard. Um, and the only one of the judges who was Twitch actually commended her for even just doing going out there doing it like this takes a lot of courage it's really hard to do and you know i've been up on that stage i know what it's like so i think you should be commended for for your courage and for you know what you were able to pull together for us because they have like maybe a week to practice this stuff um and all the other judges were like "Mm, wasn't great you gave me you kind of got through it i guess and they had to really dumb down this routine for you the tapper right i know that you're way better than this because you know like it was such bitchy, ridiculous uh, comments from all of them. And the bitchiest of all was one Mr. Nigel Lithgow, who specifically said, uh, like, crit- like said the, the, you know, made sure to compliment the choreographer. And uh, he's like, he's really good, implying that this wasn't good and it's not his fault. And, yeah. um, and we made, it shows how, this shows how hard it is to do tap. And this is why we've never made a non-tapper do tap ever before. Um, but I look forward to when this tapper gets to dance with an all-star. I like, I look forward to when he's dan. I, I look forward to him dancing with Gabby. It's like, so wait, did you say to any of the other, like there was a Pasa Doble, for example, that one of the partners did where the was a contemporary girl and a ballroom guy, the ballroom guy crushed it. Contemporary girl was just not good. She's, she's not very good. Um, she did her best, but, um, did they say, oh, I look forward to when you get to dance this with, I don't know, any of the, you know, fabulous ballroom dancers they've had? No, they didn't, like, drag her down and, like, just embarrass her on national television for not being specialized in that genre. But they did do it to Chelsea, who was a jazz dancer, made to do tap. It was bullshit. It was humiliating. And what did they think was going to happen when they set they set this up? It's like they're not, they're pretending they're not the producers on the show. Like, they didn't make this decision and make this happen. It, we, I, I, I was calm before this. I wasn't all heated up. <laughs> it grinds my gears. It should grind your gears. It sounds dreadfully double standardy, but it also sounds just really cruel to do this to that particular dancer who, like you said, probably has taken maybe like two tap classes in their entire life. Yeah. And just expecting them to be able to do that is just, it's unfair and ridiculous. Like you can't expect, especially with a week. Um, I mean, there's a reason like dancing with the stars doesn't do tap numbers, everyone. Yeah. Um, in part because they're a ballroom dancing competition, but also in part because it's just really difficult to do. You wouldn't expect a ballet dancer to be paired with somebody who doesn't do ballet and then be like, why aren't you on point? You really should yeah. be on point. Like that's it's a thing that takes years to develop right. the even just the physical ankle agility to get the really clean. They were saying like mm, we could only hear one set of taps, so it's like well, get this because she's not a tapper. She was yeah. trying to hide, which is the right thing for her to do in that moment. And they also very were very specific on who they partnered with the tapper. You could tell that they like they have certain favorites in the cast mm-hmm. based on whose family they invite to be on camera and et cetera. Did they partner their favorite of uh, the female dancers, their favorites with the tapper? No, because they know that they're setting her up for elimination. She's going to get eliminated this week. That's just going to happen. I was about to ask if she got eliminated. Yeah, we'll find out at this coming week. Okay. But it's just, it's it's really frustrating. Yeah. Boo. Boo, yeah. Nigel. 
Okay, I've talked too long. He's uh, a jerk. He is. That's the thing is I get frustrated because he's the reason that the show exists, which I really enjoyed. Mm. And and all the other dances were were some level of good to like really awesome. There were a lot of really mm-hmm. great. Like, those top ten can dance. <laughs> um, but it just I also then get so frustrated at the, some of those uh these these Nigelisms that really infect my enjoyment of the show. Um, speaking of infecting, I think that's a good way to go to the sinner this season. Uh, like we said last week, they brought on Carrie Coon. So I have to watch, um, it's about a centered on a murder of, um, a 30 something couple by what appears to be their child. But then you find out that it's actually someone else's kid. And there's like a cult kind of thing. Like it's the sense you have two episodes in is that this couple was taking the kid from this compound where he grew up, um, and he uh, he poisoned them, made some tea with something he knew would kill them. Um, and we don't know exactly what was going on or what the situation is, but we're figuring that out. And Carrie Coon is the mother who runs the compound. Okay. But they don't have hierarchies, Noel. But she bosses people around all the time. But they don't have hierarchies there. Well, th- I think that's how just Carrie Coon operates in her own life. It's just like there's no hierarchies here, but... We all know who's in charge, and it's Carrie Coon. It's Carrie Coon. Um, so, so far, I'm enjoying it. Uh, there, it's, it's some of the same just tricks as last season with their pacing and with their reveals. It can just feels a bit more um, by numbers than I think they realize. Uh, mm-hmm. But but if you liked that last season, you'll probably like it this season. So, uh, so far, I'm on board. It's a good performance. They, the kid they have is, is doing a good job. Um, and they've toned down the stupid Pullman stuff. Like the oh, stuff they were good. giving his character. There's still like we're gonna uncover dark secrets about his past because he's gone home to do this case because the daughter of one of his friends is working the case and calls him in, and so hometown like traumas are gonna come. It's gonna be a whole thing. But nobody um, cares. Bill Pullman's detective character. Nobody cares. But yeah, at least there's not all the stupid stuff they were doing with him last season was left back wherever he lives now so mm-hmm. that baggage is gone and there's new baggage which hopefully okay. will be better um speaking of baggage castle rock <laughs> over at hulu um i caught up with this one this week we had harvest you've watched the first episode yes um i've i've seen a bunch of stephen king thanks to friend yep. of the show steve Procopi, who we need to get back on at some point because he's lovely and uh, does a great job. Um, but he made me watch a bunch of Stephen King TV, like miniseries and movies and such. Sure. But I actually haven't read any Stephen King. I think I've read like maybe one. Um, so I don't know. I was like, oh yeah, Shawshank, obviously. The prison where this is set. I've seen the Shawshank Redemption. Who hasn't? And um, there's a couple of their names. Like there's like a Jackie Torrance, Jacqueline Torrance. There's a couple names that that are meaningful to me, but most of overall, like I'm not catching any of the references in this. I'm just pretty much watching it as a straight up genre or drama kind of show. Um, and so far, it's just it's really it's really slow. I don't I, I'm invested in some of the mysteries, but not very many. And um, I might just keep watching it so that I can like this is the kind of show that normally if we weren't going to talk about it on the podcast at all, I would just not watch. But I would read the recaps so I could find out yeah, what happened. Sure. Because yeah. um, I don't know that I, it was a, like I watched these all in like an afternoon when I was doing some other work and um, like just busy work, you know. That I was I was I was putting stamps on postcards. Um, everybody go vote. Um, but uh, the I just it was a slog. It was they were really long. Um, so maybe it'll be better when it's one a week. But I'm not that invested. But I mean, when you have Allison Tolman 
uh, on as as Melanie Linsky's sister, and Melanie Linsky's one of your main characters. I'm gonna want to watch just for them. Yeah. Uh, Tolman's so far only really in one episode, but uh, hopefully she'll pop up again. I, it's a good cast from what I've seen, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna keep watching. I'm very on the fence. What did you think of the first episode? I like the first episode fine. It was very premise heavy and driven, so there's not like a lot of room to like be compelled by a whole lot. I feel like in the premiere, um, and their whole thing with Terry O'Quinn, and then the reveal that he works at Shawshank just felt like a little on the nose Mm -hmm. um in terms of a oh my god it's shawshank and it's just like no it's it's baked in we know what you're doing here show you don't need to like be all big about it Mm -hmm. um i was also like not picking up on the large amount of like king nods um i used to be very steeped in that lore i'm not any longer my person is, however, and so she actually watched the first episode after I mentioned that I had watched it, and she's just like, oh, I kind of like this, so we're going to like start watching it um, together, and we'll see how that goes. So I'll let you know how she's feeling about it, considering I think like she was really into King for a while. I don't know if she is as much anymore, but I know that she sort of liked it enough to like want to keep watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the ending of the premiere is subtle, is suitably creepy, I feel like. Uh, but it was also not, like, enough to make me go, oh my god, that's really creepy and cool, as opposed to, you're relying a lot on glitchy camera angles. Mm. Which, effectively done, but you're still relying a lot on glitchy camera angles. Fair enough. Um, now this is the other show that, not The Sinner, but Castle Rock, is the show that inspired, or might make you watch a thon pick for you, yeah. which, because Scott uh, Glenn shows up yes. and is terrific, and he's also in the show that we will... Should we announce what they are or should we hold off on that? No, we can announce what they are. It's fine. So Noel is causing me to watch Clone Wars, yes. uh, which I have already started watching. Yeah. Um, it's a little rough, but by the end of season one, like the, the episodes you gave me, I'm, I'm more invested now. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. And I'm having you watch The Leftovers, which parcel that out, man, because it is dense and a lot. But Scott Glenn gets some really great stuff um, in the later, especially in season like two three season three mm-hmm. um a lot of really good stuff so uh i was watching this and that's like his performance in in castle rock um was what was like oh man oh man i've got a leftovers man we gotta talk leftovers and his whole like that that character his character in season three and the anyway so i look forward to your your thoughts on that when you get there uh is is there much scott glenn in the first episode or not really uh for castle rock yeah uh, yeah, he's in he's in the first episode. He's because um, that has to introduce the tension with the lawyer ah, and yeah. his mom. And but I kept getting distracted distracted by how just insanely ripped Scott Glenn appears. Oh yeah, totally ripped. Yeah, and I'm just like that seems a little weird and uncomfortable for me just to see like he's just so ripped and like it's just like that's a lot of muscle, dude. That's a lot of muscle. Are you chopping lots of wood? What's going on? Yeah, how how is this happening exactly? This doesn't strike me as a town that has like Gold's Gym or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's just like, are you sure you're just not doing sticks still from Daredevil? Because I feel <laughs> like this is what's happening right here. This is what's happening. You got your eyes sat back somehow and came to Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. I would actually be super down with that. But there, there, there's some interesting stuff that develops. So more on this, I guess, when you and your person have had a chance to watch it. Um, let's go to our last episode in our week in TV, and that's Winona Earp, Colder Weather. This uh, obviously is, you know, as we talked about last week, is the episode that 
does a lot with dolls. And I had seen lots of really positive buzz beforehand from not from uh, like the most prominent TV critics, but from people who regularly watch the show and, and do reviews and are in- involved in the Erper community and uh, fandom online. And I did not. I was very underwhelmed by this episode. I thought that um, like. There's some some there's a character who's, inter- who's introduced who I thought gets accepted way too quickly and easily. There's a lot of like just I think skipping over stuff that I think that they should have taken more time on. I didn't really buy some of the performances. The performances were not as strong as I thought they needed to be in this kind of an episode. And um, to to kill off dolls to to kill off your 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 black character and then have his only family or friend is yet another white guy. I mean, come on dudes. Like why? Why? Super bad look show. Super bad look. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. I didn't see the, I didn't, I don't remember the, the breakdown of the picture that they had of the, the whole team, the whole, you know, it was slight. It, he wasn't the only person of color in that picture. But, but it was very white, yeah. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. I just I think the characters are better. I thought some of the stuff they revealed made sense and was interesting. But like, it really felt like they were introducing another recurring character that they're going to bring back several times, and it's another cardboard <laughs> cutout white guy. Yeah, it is. And the episode is just delightfully not delightfully. It's delightfully boring, is what mm-hmm. it is. Just like there's nothing really in it to feel particularly compelled by the the frustration over Dolls' death and the grief over Dolls' death never really comes through for me in any real way, which is deeply frustrating. Um and because it's 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 very difficult to see the grief is specific when so much of how I know no cups for things is alcohol and it's played with the same sort of level. Mm-hmm. And so the degree to which they accept um, what's his name, who they put on the bus, is just like, it happens really quickly. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, he's coming to come back. We, I don't know why we're pretending he's not coming back. Um, with some sort of black badge information that is no longer relevant to the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, I'm sure it is on some sort of mythos level that I've completely forgotten about. Black Badge was always the weakest aspect of the show, and I feel like the show realized that, which is why they jettisoned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that, and then just, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with fortune-telling vampire lady at all. Yeah. So I'm just like, mm, okay, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. How does good guy, potentially, good guy adjacent vampire lady eat? Mm-hmm. Are we mm-hmm. gonna just skim right over that? Cause yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. There are other. I had other problems with this. I actually really liked the scene at the fireside. I like the conversations about uh, the different characters saying how they want to to have their ma- remains. Um, yeah, just, I dealt with, but like you know, like yeah. what what services they want um, yeah. when they when they die. I thought that was a really organic and. Yes. Um, thoughtful conversation. I like the contrast we had between the different characters. Um, but, uh, and also, wow, being a dick, the dad, with not giving Waverly a plot, that's a bunch of, unless there's some, like, metaphysical reason for it, that's... Probably. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, I also kind of need them to just hurry up and get to the the Waverly's and Angel thing, but more on that later. I'm sure. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this episode? Not really. Yeah. No. I'm I'm hoping they find a I'm hoping they find a good gear soon. Uh, yeah. Because I need them too. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I yeah. I would. I was so excited by the first part, most of the previous week's episode, because it was so much better. It was like a whole other level of suspense and and comedy and and uh and character and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they sidetracked themselves, and this episode was not. I didn't think it was that good. Um. I know they can do. I know you can do better, Winona Earp. So please do better and work yeah. on that. They they're listening, Noel, and they care what I think. Uh, they they totally listen. They to this. totally listen to this. They don't listen to this. <laughs> um, well, what wins your week in drama, reality, and genre then? Because I'm guessing it's not Winona Earp. No, it's not Winona Earp. I guess it's the type finale. I guess. Um, Is it Ducktales? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's DuckTales again. I mean, Elementary had a fine episode this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess the bold type finale? No, it's DuckTales again. Yeah. I didn't watch anything in these categories that I was really blown away by, apart from some of the Star Wars Clone Wars episodes I've been watching to refresh myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I'll go with the whole Citadel arc again. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't have anything. What about you? Okay, I'll put you out of your misery there. Um, I'm going to give it to Queen Sugar, actually. Your passages have been paid, which I thought was a, another really strong episode. And um, I'm liking how the season's shaping out. And we'll have more on that, I would imagine, at the end of the season when we check back in with that one. But, uh, yeah, Dude, this show's really good. And the actors are, are really good. And, and the writers are really good. And the directors are really good. And y'all should be watching... Queen Sugar. I also did really enjoy Bull Type and uh, really enjoyed most of So You Think You Can Dance, but um, but now I'm going to give it to Queen Sugar. Now we'll take a break, listen to a clip or some music, and come back with our season spotlight on Referee Season 1. We'll be right back after this. What's your all-time favorite memory? The most beautiful, mind-blowing place you can remember? When I was, um, 10. My mother took me and my sister Jamie to this field just full of paper lanterns. It was like floating in space. What if you could revisit that moment anytime you wanted? Reverie? What does it do? Reverie is a place where the impossible becomes possible. You're put inside a waking dream of your own design. Problem is, some of our users decided that life in Reverie is better than the one out here. Their bodies have gone into a coma. They're trapped. What exactly is it that you want me to do? What you did for me on the force. Hostage negotiation. I want you to go inside Reverie and bring them back. This is the brain-computer interface that runs the program. It's the only one like it in the world. You have to undergo the implant procedure. I designed the boundaries of reality within the program, the science of creating dreams. I'm going to give you a crash course, just enough to make you dangerous. Shall we begin? Physical laws don't necessarily apply in reverie. You'll learn to deprogram your fear response. She picked it up faster than we did, and we built it. This is a chance to bring families back together again. I promise I'm going to do everything I can to bring your dad back. 
what's gonna happen when we put a second person inside someone's reverie. You have no right to be here. If you stay here any longer, you will never come back. I have only been here a couple days. You've been here for weeks. There are significant anomalies. We have to tell her. back with the televerse this is kate calls joined as ever by noel kirkpatrick and noel it's time for another season spotlight this time we're talking reverie the sort of nbc genre summer show that like i think we're the only two people watching this is anybody else watching this not to my knowledge but i mean i'm barely on social media anymore i feel mm-hmm. like so if people are watching this i don't know if they are that's probably a um, healthier life choice I don't know that's a healthier life choice. It's just a life choice that I have made at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, Susan says hi. Um, but yeah. the, uh, the, the the season we're talking about is, like I said, is Reverie. This was a, is, is a uh, show about a AI sort of virtual reality world that is created. And now our ex-cop with a dark and tortured past um is again wrapped into this world where anyone you can go into people's minds and they can create whatever world they want and wouldn't you know it by the end of the season there's a thread about i you know all sorts of different tech developments and the potential dangers in the future this very serialized show is now or this very standalone show is now serialized uh what did you think of this finale and what did you think of like the potential this has you know did it live up to its potential which we were talking about earlier in the season and do you think it's poised to like make a leap if it comes back for season two or do you think that maybe this is all we're gonna get i kind of think this is all we're gonna get um the potential for it to be serialized in season two is sort of intriguing, but I also feel like they can deal with the big reveal that there's been a dematerialization version of um, Kent within the reverie already somehow, um, which admittedly is super cool in how it's presented through the mise-en-scene, through Shahi's just dead-eyed performance and the chalk and everything is really cool and appropriately creepy. That's a good note to end on and enough to like kind of get me like, yeah, I want to come back and see at least how they deal with that. Um, but I never really, I never really felt like this lived up to a lot of its potential. Um, a lot of the standalones never really grabbed me as much as I wanted. Um, they were really, really hit or miss for me. And I also kept getting distracted by the fact, Kate, the show shot on the Universal lot, so it's just like, wait, no, that's a yogurt place from the Good Place neighborhood. <laughs> Stop trying to fool me that it's a taqueria or some other thing, because it's not. It's a Good Place yogurt shop. Um, that was a little distracting. Um, but I'm in. Tr- I like the cast enough that I want the show to kind of make a leap. In, it provided it gets a season two. Um, and I want like more, I want riskier type of storytelling that we kind of got with like the Black Mandala episode, which really kind of hints at like the darker edges of this show as opposed to the, well, no, this is a show about trauma and learning how to deal with that, which I think is a really good thing to have presented and have discussed. But it's also just like, but 
you gave this to the military, and I would like to explore that idea a lot more. <laughs> um, so how did you feel about uh, the finale? Which I feel like I didn't really answer your question in that. I think the mise-en-scene of the burnt-out school is really, really good. Um, and the creepy people running, the dematerializations of people on fire was appropriately creepy. And I like the sort of Scooby-Doo <laughs> scary house doors of people wonder, of Kent going back through them. But the episode, the finale as a whole just sort of felt like, okay, this is the show that we wanted to do, but we needed to do this first. And that always makes me a little, a little antsy when the shows feel like they have to do that. Um, as opposed to doing that, like, maybe halfway through. Um, but so how did you feel about the finale? Um, I thought that there were basically two different episodes here. Yes. And yeah. I liked one of them. And mm-hmm. I found the other one really stupid. And if I thought about it, I might be offended by it. Um, and, and so with the line for me is the conversation that Mara has with her brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. That really didn't work for me. I had yeah, a real no, problem terrible. with it. Yeah, for so many reasons. Uh, first of all, just on a like universe level, then you're saying that anyone who's in a coma can be reached and can be like conversed with, and can 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 have some semblance of their like just uh, their consciousness contacted can they're still alive they're just trapped in their own heads and you aren't immediately trying to reach out to people in comas like are you kidding me that's insane market here that they're just like "Eh, we're not gonna tap into this and i acknowledge like why because like the 2.0 thing is still sort of like new that's the whole gist of this season but But, by the end it's just like no we've got it (laughs) even just in morality like you're yep. leaving people in basically solitary confinement when you have the ability to connect them into just anything? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's morally bankrupt. Or I don't know, hey, who kill who tried to kill you and left you in a coma? Let's maybe sol- do that. Like, it opens up this whole other world of of ramifications that they really don't want you thinking about. So that's one reason yeah. just to think it's stupid on a writing level. But it's also stupid on a just a moral and ethical level. Like, it doesn't what we see doesn't make any sense. Now, if it was wish fulfillment for Mara, if you like, you found out that actually, like, her brain constructed that the way that the reverie can construct what it thinks you need, yes. that would work just fine. That, like, would make sense. But there's not even a like a way to think that, you know, there nobody even hints at something like that. That's complete headcanon. And instead, they get this, like, ridiculously pat and simple and stupid scene at the beginning, so that theoretically, I guess, we can have our scene at the end. Where she says how much this has helped her. But we didn't need that scene at the beginning to get the scene at the end. Because helping other people has helped her. And, like, it's just it's just really stupid. And if I, you know, if I thought about it more and delved into what it's saying about, uh, about the consciousness and, uh, the, and life and the afterlife. And apparently all he needed was a picture of his family and then he was going to let himself die because he'd been holding on this whole, t- like, it didn't make any sense. And, uh, it was really, really irritating. Now, this other stuff we got, I enjoyed. And I thought that there's been a, an uptick this season 
in the second half with with the serialized storytelling um i think the stuff with all i mean i'm just with so with charlie like y'all are dumbasses don't talk to this guy obviously he's psycho and evil and giving the psycho and evil guy a very valid correct point of what the fuck are you doing giving this to the military you don't understand how this is gonna like what is wrong with you people pandora's box um is i think a great way to do that uh but but like wow these <laughs> there's so many scenes of our heroes being dumb <laughs> in the last half of the season but i really or last third i should say but i really did buy it i thought they sold it in a really convenient like like com- convincing way i should say not convenient convincing way and uh, i thought that the like the, like oliver clearly was part of the dynamic of that group and really helped center and ground them like like finished off the the different kind of personality types you need for something like this to be successful and now that he's gone i totally buy them have just all being super naive about this stuff um and that leading to the problems we're seeing here i also thought that the standalone stories they did in the last chunk were way more interesting like Yes, it's cheesy, but the Pilar episode was getting to like it got to me at the yeah. by the end, and the story with the uh, the refugees also I thought was very well done. I thought that again it was too convenient and pat, but um, but at least it was some, them doing something that's more interesting. The as for the finale, oh, I also the Alexis uh, and her her childhood trauma, I think could have been handled better, but um. You know, I've seen it. They just drop that angle really hard for like a solid middle section of this show. Oh, totally. Yeah, and uh, I, I also the thing I'm not really interested in the the tw- like the reveal at the end because that doesn't mean anything to me because I've been given no reason to think that those constructs are anything but computer simulations, right. and that doesn't change for me just because one of them looks like our lead. Because uh, if if that's not the case, then you guys, then the show have to explain to me how dead people can be within Reverie if they died before Reverie was ever a thing. Uh, so I don't think they're going to do that. But the part that does have me intrigued is that clearly Oliver is in there somewhere. Yeah. Like, obviously that's the case. And we're going to see, and we don't know what he's done with that key to open different backdoors. Honestly, when, when they rebooted the AI's voice, the little brother, I was expecting that to be Oliver. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and be like nice and creepy. And that'd be your twist. Um so so they really leave that hanging. There's a lot that they could do with that. That's the part I'm more intrigued with. But um but for me in general, yeah, it's not great. But it and I just kind of stuck with it because we were talking about it on the podcast. Um but by the end when I was like catching back up with it, I was like, yeah, this is actually pretty solid. And uh you know I think just my affinity for Shahi, and not even the whole cast, just Shahi, is enough yeah. to keep me watching. Because she's so good. She's just like, when she's talking to that kid, she is just warmth embodied. I was like, you should play the blue fairy in every adaptation of po- Pinocchio that ever happens. <laughs> right? I would watch that. Yeah. I would watch all of those. Yeah, no, that's a terrific idea. Yeah, because I, she's just so, she's very good. And she's just so damn likable and and warm. She beams in a way that few people on TV do, with a, a very genuine, um, yeah. uh, very authentic charisma. And and just, I, I just don't want to say other than glow. She glows. Can you think of anyone else who glows like Shahi on TV or movies or any of it? 
Not really. And I, I don't know what it is about her that sort of conveys that and has very consistently conveyed that even since um, a USA show that she kind of got her like break oh. on. Um, uh, yeah, with the shoes. Which, yeah, which wasn't even particularly good. Oh, no, but um, she's really good. <laughs> she's really good on it. Um, yeah. And but, life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And life. Yeah. No, it's just one of those things where she's she even when she can't quite get a vehicle. Like, she couldn't get the Nancy Drew thing off the ground, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but she gets this, and it's just, like, it's a it's a vehicle that it works to her strengths of, like, the fact that she, like you said, is deeply authentic, plays empathy really well, and also just always has enough sort of, like, I think, you know, legitimately, and I think some of this is also a part of the premise of like we're going to go and help these people in this sort of weird scenario um is like the closest i think i could sort of equate her to is like bacula Mm -hmm. almost yeah there's an earnestness yeah yeah there's an earnestness that doesn't feel forced or anything so and i mean again part of that i feel feeds into the premise and this is sort of a quantum leap type of show in that it's very it's very driven by empathy but I think that that's kind of maybe the closest thing I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I do think that you're right about everything. Like, the medical aspects of this are just woefully underplayed, and it's really weird that no one goes, you know, maybe we should try it with this. It's a very obvious answer, since they're dealing with people who are borderline comatose anyway. Um, Then that seems like a natural progression that no one, like you said, the show doesn't want you to grapple with in any way shape or form i think that one of the things that i think that the show works works for its advantage and i don't know provided it gets a second season that they can keep that advantage is that alexis and paul are both such silicon valley naive technology fixes everything types that they just immediately believe that this is how this works and that this is this will solve these problems without really thinking past those types of things beyond well the military is bad and that's why Oliver is at least given sort of a good perspective like you said in terms of like no we really need to think through the ramifications of this in a certain way apart from Alexis's little no I was really worried about creating a world in which no one's disconnected but everyone's disconnected from one another but were you because that's never come up until now. <laughs> And I feel like that that's a discussion that no one's really having and we're not seeing anyone else have. And so that was one of those things where the finale feels like it's planting a number of seeds that it wants to start dealing with next season, as opposed to doing 10 episodes of basically proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, yeah, it would be interesting if they wanted to really dive into that. I think they are positioned with some of this. To if they could bring uh, Chris back, Sam, have Sam Yeager back, which I mean, I'm all for bringing it. Just get rid of that terrible mustache, but bring, bring oh, him God, back. Oh, God, that mustache is so bad. It's, it's so bad. It's real bad. I think it's because they want us to ship. Uh, the only reason I could think is because they want us to ship Mara and Paul. And if, yep. if, if Chris didn't have the mustache, it would just be like, there's no contest <laughs> here. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Because everybody on the show is gorgeous, of course. So they're like, we need to ugly up Sam Yeager a little bit. Um, but no, it's just, 
like, because yeah. as a therapist, he would have a lot of perspective on right. trauma and all this other stuff too. So, like, if they if there was a way that they he got more engaged in, in this again, they could have a counterpoint there that it would be, yeah. I think, someone that from what they've established so far, we would as the audience invest in and trust the, his perspective. Um, but they they need another tech person who isn't the evil Oliver, and I don't know that how they do that, you know, how they add that in to, to what we have so far, except maybe like, I don't know, maybe a family member or a friend or like someone, like a, a someone who's important to that tech person ends up in reverie. And then that's how they hear about, it. I don't know. They'd have to do some bending over backwards, but we are really missing that skeptical perspective. And I don't know how they can engage it. Like, and like bring it into the show with the characters they have now. Yeah, and I feel like they initially sort of had Mara as that part, semi-skeptical person, but then very quickly she pivots into a type who, well, no, I just need to save these people because I'm avoiding saving myself type of stuff, and I'm repressing this, and I'm finding out about this um, type of stuff. Or also just getting told straight up, by the way, you just talked this guy into shooting himself in <laughs> uh, that which felt like a weird turn for the show to take um and like weird for charlie just to keep that until the most inopportune moment. <laughs> yeah i talk, I, did, I did buy it though like like yeah. and, and shy sold the crap out of that scene too because yeah. yeah. you know from of interest we've seen she gives she has tremendous range and she's just is not called upon to use it very much on the show yeah. but um I did buy that. I thought that worked. But no, the scene where <laughs> the scene where Charlie's telling her, I was like, oh, Hayes, but you're better than this. Like, I would have done it. I would have shot it myself. I would have. Like, like, oh, no, you are not. You can sell many things, Dennis, but you, Dennis, we're on first name basis, Mr. Hayes, but you, you are, are not choosing yeah. to sell this. And I don't know why the writing's bad. Maybe you're just like, I can't. There's nothing I can do here. But there is an inconsistency with like a lot of the writing. Especially with, like, the dialogue stuff, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. Which is something that, if they provided to get a second season, is something definitely to work on going forward. Um, but I also, but it also, like, to me, becomes an issue of, if we're going to become more serialized, then you need stronger spines for the episodes. Which is sort of, like, the issue I was running into a lot, where it's just, like, some of these reveries are decent, and I liked sometimes that there was enough variety, like... The one with the fellow with the coder who uh, was borderline agoraphobic, but was basically using Reverie to plan a heist, was different enough from the whole, well, we need to save this person that's hiding, refusing to confront whatever demon that they're not willing to confront. It's different different enough that it was like a nice change of pace, but that was episode four. And then it was very consistently, well, we're running away from something. And... I liked the idea of mobilizing Reverie to run to something and Mara helping with that process, even if it was also sort of a way too easy process of, well, no, we figured out a way to work with this massive pharmaceutical company and the government, and we all got along super well with it. (laughs) Yep. Totally. Yeah. Did you hear that snort, everyone? (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, and having different 
the those different tonal shifts based on the referees. I think it's something that, that does work very well. Like like you said, blue is the coldest color. The the heist episode, the sort of um, adventure feel of the P- Pilar episode, yeah. um, made me want a pisco sour. Man, I haven't had one of those in a while. They are delicious. Um, ah. But uh, like they're, these, they did a good job of capturing some of that. And I also was like, she's like, yeah, no, it wasn't time period it wasn't time tourism i was like yeah y'all had time tourism and you held out on us come on let's get some of that in here that would be more yeah. fun and i don't know because i just immediately went to maybe this excuse to have another peggy carter episode just like sort of in like you could see i could see them doing an episode like that here not they wouldn't do an actual crossover but you know something with that feel it was like you could have been yeah. doing episodes like that this whole time not cool those episodes are really expensive, though. Well, there's that. <laughs> details, details. But um, details. having, like you said, having a stronger spine um, for the individual, like, episodes, if you're going to do more serialized, then the, the, the standalone elements really need to pop and they need to be very specific, I think is an excellent point. And, um, yeah, I, I, I would imagine, like you said, if they get renewed, they will do a similar thing in season two, structurally. Um, yeah. And it still is not going to be anywhere near my top at the end of the year it's not going to be top 10 of new no, shows yeah. even because there's been quite a few really good strong first season shows so far this year but i am encouraged by the improvement over the season um even just like i remember what the episodes are you know yeah. <laughs> which is not always a thing we can say as someone who enjoys serialized sorry as someone who enjoys standalone narratives uh it's nice to actually watch one that has standalones that i remember um yeah so i think that there's you know it's 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 such damning with such faint praise but there's so many shows that do this kind of thing so much worse that uh the the endearing qualities of this show are enough for me to make to like get me to want to watch more even if it's like no more nowhere near like this is what my kind of what other people would call like garbage viewing you know mm-hmm. but i don't consider it garbage <laughs> you know like it's not right. like yeah it's not a guilty pleasure kind of show because i don't i'm not guilty about it but i don't know if you remember several months ago i mentioned on the podcast wanting to watch some standalones you know just because i didn't have the mental energy to watch any of the intense show like i was yeah. behind on yeah. handmaid's tale and all these other things and i was like I just want to watch somebody solve a crime and there to be some banter. And yeah. I tried to watch like five or six different shows and they were all terrible. They were mm-hmm. so bad. And I mean, like Alan Cumming couldn't get me to watch his show. Like I was, I was tried and I just couldn't Rough. do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is the show kind of show. Like what this show is really good at that stuff in a way yeah. that so few other shows are right now. Um, that. I feel like that is just it has earned its place in that niche of the current TV landscape. And I think that's fair. And I think that if they can make like a couple of adjustments and maybe get an increased budget, because I think one of the other things that that the show can have going forward, especially if they sort of keep the person, the case of the week sort of approach is getting solid working tv actors to come on and do that one part like mm-hmm. one of my like it's not a particularly good episode because of just how it's structured but the third episode no more mr nice guy has friggin ashley zucker zookman in it from mm-hmm. manhattan and that episode isn't particularly good i think 
But there's that scene with him and Mara in, like, the bar, and he's just killing it. He's just, like, he's pushing that entire scene, even though it's just, like, this isn't a particularly good show right now just Mm -hmm. yet, but it's just, like, I get what they're going for right now, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna swing for it. And that's kind of what this show needs, is, like, the guest stars who are going to come in and swing for it, basically. And if you can hire really solid television character actors. And I mean, you're shooting in LA, so it's not like you can't get them. It's that you just have to have the budget to get them. And so, I mean, maybe he came on as a favor to folks um, and did this episode, or he had like a little bit of downtime between designated survivor and needed to fill some stuff because he was on designated survivor for a while, to which I go, please get this man better work because he was on Manhattan for God's sake. (laughs) but I think that's where, like, a number of, like, when we're talking about this sort of, like, procedural, but also this kind of throwback television where a number of these kind of, like, one-off type of sh- standalone type of shows were always sort of ro- rose when they were given to, basically handed over to really good guest actors. Mm-hmm. And when you have really good guest actors, then it becomes a treat each week. Yeah, And that's what you kind of need, I think, for this type of a show to survive or to be more enjoyable than I think it, to be more consistent, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's all it, I feel like that's kind of all it needs in addition to like a little bit of stronger writing and maybe like a slightly, like we were talking about with um, Jaeger's character, some sort of oppositional character who isn't just there to nag them. Yeah. Yeah. And and finding the way to work that in where they have there's a reason for them to be around and for everybody to listen to them and where as the audience we are on board with them so we like you said yes. so we don't feel like they're nagging. Um yeah. That's a trick. Yeah, and I agree. Like that's how like we how many of us would just happily sit down and watch Murder She Road in Colombo all day? Right. And that's yeah. because of the strength of the guest stars and little better writing. It's not great writing, but it's good enough writing. And yes. some and, and parts of the season had that good enough writing. And yes. some parts didn't. So yeah. hopefully they can kick that up in season two if they get one. Um any final thoughts? Any like favorite episode or moment that you'd like to mention? Um one just like a little in joke in the baller in the ballet episode when Mara mentions that she used to be a cheerleader, I thought was a really good uh, acknowledgement <laughs> of Shahi's own background as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, let's see. I do think that Blue is the coldest color is probably one of their stronger episodes. Um, the Black Mandala, which is the one where you were referring to the immigrant camps and Amet, who this v- deals very much with. The, um, military to a certain degree, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those two were probably sort of the standout episodes, but um, Despedida, uh, which is the Pilar episode that you alluded to earlier, is also really good. I kept waiting for it to sort of be revealed as if she was just sort of working through like a telenovela she really liked or a romance uh-huh. novel she really liked, but yeah. then for it to be an actual no, this was actually my life. I just went, mm-hmm. I approve of the fact that you didn't go the easier way of like yeah. it would have been really easy to do as is she's just going through a romance novel yeah. but no it's just like no this was a very significant moment in her life and she just needed to like kind of go through that again so um i think those are probably the three sort of strongest episodes uh what about you anything else in particular stand out 
No, those are the same three I would yeah. point to as well. And yeah. yeah, there's some other like moments that were real good uh, or, or like subplots that worked really well. But if you're looking at the overall episode where everything kind of like lines up, the subplots and the main plots, those are definitely my three favorite. And uh, we'll see. I, I, I am actually a little curious. We'll see if we get a season two. I don't know why we would, but I don't know why Shades of Blue is like finishing with its like fifth season or whatever it is. So that's because Jennifer Lopez, man, that's just hey, the sheer willpower of Jennifer Lopez. Whatever math makes sense for these various networks, power, more power yeah. to them. We will, we will let you know, listeners, if there's I mean, more to know. It was consistently drawing like two mil um, each which week. Is which so is so much more than bad. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> this makes yeah. me sad. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So it's not terrible. Yes. No, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Um, and it's owned by NBC, which makes a huge difference. Very true. Yeah. Indeed. So again, we will keep you posted, listeners. Yeah. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. Be like Vince. Leave a comment. You can also email theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, like the page, start up a conversation there. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also, also up in Stitcher. And we would appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And you can also find me reviewing The Great British Bake Off over at the AV Club. Just two more, two more reviews, everyone. I will miss it when it's gone. Um, but for now, thank you, Nola, as ever. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.